If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. Saying websites are important is definitely an understatement in 2020. At a minimum, a bare minimum, an effective website increases your user engagement, improves fundraising potential, attracts quality staff, donors, volunteers, and partners, and yes, even helps you find clients. And if it is efficient, keeping a website running does not have to require a lot of time and energy or even a lot of money. But the key to all of that is getting your website to the point that it is both effective and efficient. And that is why today's guest, Shane Michael, is here. Shane is a website innovator and fundraising consultant with a passion for helping nonprofits grow. He is the founder and CEO of Midden, a website service provider that specifically focuses on nonprofits and mission-driven brands. Through Mitten, Shane and his team have helped hundreds of nonprofits raise millions of dollars. Shane himself, let me say, is an expert in nonprofit website design and innovation and all that it entails, from page layout to managing multiple websites and showcasing data, impact, and of course, collecting the donations and the payments. So please join me in welcoming Shane to the podcast. Hey, Shane, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dolph. Great to be here. So you shared a story with me about merging behavioral economics and websites to help the Prostate Cancer Foundation raise five times more money from a single campaign. And I am a behavioral econ nerd. So I need you to explain this to me. Yeah, absolutely. So First, the campaign itself is called the Home Run Challenge, and it's all about keeping dad in the game through baseball. And so they partner with Major League Baseball, Fox TV, and a bunch of other large brands, and it's this nationwide campaign that gets a lot of attention. And you make pledges or donations based on the amount of home runs these teams hit. And so they've been doing this for about 15 years before we took over the project a few years ago. And everything 
seemingly was going well due to the amount of attention it gets. But fundamentally, we were looking at the numbers and we thought, shouldn't this be getting way more donations, a lot more attention? And so we decided to review the actual process of the donor journey and not just the process, but who are these people that are donating? Well, if it's MLB, it's baseball and people love their team. People wear swag for their team. They are loyal to their team. And so previously the donation flow was how much do you want to donate or how much do you want to pledge per home run? And then at the very end, the final question in the sequence was who's the team that, you know, is your team that you want to support? Well, we said, what if we shift that? What if we get the baseball fans to pick their team first to say, Detroit Tigers, to say San Diego Padres, to pick that team first and then go down the journey. And so we experimented with that process and the results were incredible. We saw way less donation drop-offs, way higher levels of commitment, and almost instantly people were going through that process. And it makes perfect sense because if you're a baseball fan, you want to show loyalty to your team. And so that simple switch of the donation order literally resulted in a 5x increase in millions of more dollars. And so it's incredibly fascinating to really just understand the process of why people give and what motives they have. And we've been deploying that amongst all of our sites now, really putting ourselves in their shoes and not just thinking of hypothetical scenarios, but really asking people what is the driving force behind their behavior and then putting yourself in their shoes, using that as kind of this guiding post to make these decisions, uh, and in our case, directly resulting in more donations and how that affects the website. So it was an incredible experience and the results were, I mean, amazing. <laughs> it was those really are amazing results in part because, and I've got the numbers in front of me. So before you got involved for about half a decade, they built this from nothing to about half a million dollars a year. And in a, sounds like a pretty short period of time. Like how much time did it take for you to take it from half a million to about 2.5 million? It was the first year we took it over. So it was about... We took over the campaign in the fall because it happens right before Father's Day every single year. So the uh, June 1st to Father's Day. And so the duration kind of changes. So there are a few variables, but the media exposure, all of that stays the same. So the fundamental change was the actual website, the donation process, and specifically that donation switch of the order. So I would say about six months uh, just because they do a lot of planning but the actual work of the website you know was probably boiled down to about a month of actual changes and testing and stuff like that and clearly this was not the same people or the same number of people giving more in terms of an average gift so did you also see about a five times increase in participation or what did that look like yeah yeah absolutely so the numbers all around there was about 2x in the average gift size. And so then whatever that equals out to be the amount of people that actually donated um, as well. So there was an increase on all fronts, but people were actually giving more and there were more donors. And we think the people that were giving more really was that brand and team loyalty. Like they felt compelled to donate to their team. And it was the first time somebody donated $60,000 online through a donation portal. 
And so that was sh shocking in itself that people actually felt comfortable enough to give that much online and that the platform was stable enough, looked secure enough to process that transaction. So there was a lot of very unique things that happened as a result of this and the metrics all around went up. Part of what I love about this is this is behavioral econ at its best. So average gift went up, total number of donors went up, total number of gifts went up. Like this is, this is behavioral econ at its best. Let's unpack this though. So you started working on this August, September, October before Father's Day. So nine months before Father's Day really. Did you do A-B testing? Like, wh what did you do so that you would know this was going to work? Yeah, we essentially went to the drawing board and started over with a whole redesign and looking at what should this experience actually look like. And so it kind of went in phases. So it first started with just reskinning the site, making sure it's mobile friendly, making the design look better, appeal to that sporty person that wants to give back to the community. And so it started with a normal design process where we basically recreated all the user flows, all the new pages, all of that good stuff. Well, they've done that multiple times for a bunch of other campaigns. And so they always ask their follow-up question at the end with whatever it is, who's the beneficiary? Why are you donating? So that's kind of been universal throughout all their processes. So it wasn't until probably April, right before the campaign, where we really started looking at the actual donation process itself and the actual flow and thought, what if we just let's create a whole grid of teams? Let's make the let's make the user pick the team first. And just a simple change like that, we started A B testing it. So half of the users were doing that, half of them were going to the other form. And just immediately the results. It was like 10x more people were actually just clicking through the first couple steps. And so we didn't actually let the A-B test run out for the full month or two months because we didn't want to lose out on how good it was already performing. And so they made the executive decision to let's go forward with this. And the results, it was just incredible. So it was a two-tier process, the actual design, rebrand, and then actually switching the order of the donation process to really pull to their heartstrings to show their loyalty with their team. And how did you come up with the idea to first profile that grid of all of the MLB teams? Did you have conversations with fans or donors, focus groups, just a brainstorm session, you know, you in the shower? Like, how did you come up with that idea? So one of our co-founders who's not with the company anymore, he's a huge baseball fan. And so when we first took over the project, a few years ago, he was uh, on staff still, and he was a part of the driving force of really thinking, what makes me go to a baseball game? I would never go to another team's baseball game unless my team was playing. I wouldn't even consider it. So when people think about this campaign, is that the first thought that they're having is, well, who's home runs? What do I care about this, this campaign? And so he kind of instilled the idea um, into everybody's minds. And then we started to explore it more, started interviewing baseball enthusiasts, actually uh, asking previous donors that gave to the campaign that have been re repeat donors, asking what drives them, how important is brand loyalty, how important is team loyalty. So there definitely was some interview processes. And the Prostate Cancer Foundation, they were doing that as well. 
uh, they're a larger organization, so they have the resources to get user feedback and surveys. And so we were kind of doing it from both sides, but it was our company's idea to actually alter the donation flow and to switch up that order. Got it. And what a really smart idea. What an incredible idea. Now, I know we've probably got some listeners right now who are saying to themselves, well, that's great. That works really well for an organization that has some type of a sports league affiliation and access to all of these fans. But we're a small $2 million or $200,000 a year organization. How do we use some of what you're talking about in our own donation funnels online? Yeah, so I think it's really important to to think about the motives of why people give. And if you can get an early commitment, so one example might be, and this is just off the top of my head, is let's say you were an organization helping with animals or something with the rescue of animals. So maybe when you get to a page, the first call to action actually says, you know, do you believe these animals should be taken in? Or do you believe this animal should be killed or something where you know what their answer is going to be? So essentially, do you think these animals should be rescued? Yes, I do. Next message. Would you prove it and help us you know, build a list by dropping your email here? Yes. And then they do that. And then the next phase, okay, would you consider making a donation? And so there's two sides to this, is that the longer the process, the more likely people are to drop off if it's a burden to do it. However, if it's pre-commitment, people get hero syndrome where they want to finish. They want to prove their loyalty. And so it has the opposite effect. People are willing to go through these steps if they already committed to the first step because they feel like they're abandoning their process, abandoning their team. If anybody's like my wife, they would think they're abandoning these animals personally and, you know, that's not actually the case, but the psyche does that to us. So I think really thinking about what are some early commitments you can get people to commit to that is in direct affiliation with your cause. And if it's there's not a direct affiliation, what are some things that you can kind of get buy-in? You know, get the user to buy in early and then go through that process. And then to really understand what makes people give. And so I'm very surprised with the hundreds of nonprofits that we work with, how many people fail to do um, like donor surveys? What compelled you to give? Why did you give? Would there have been anything we could have shared that made you give more? And just really getting into their minds. And something else that I think worked really well with this process is the ability to make a pledge in this campaign, which is essentially commit now, pay later. And so we've been really thinking about, you know, how can other organizations do that? So maybe on the donation prompt, it says, give once, give monthly, maybe give later, maybe give when my next paycheck comes. Maybe there's something else to get them to commit now where they actually give later. And so getting that early commitment we have found is very beneficial. And so just finding ways to get that commitment would be my my advice. That's interesting. It's also probably a little counterintuitive because it means you're going through additional steps. And the only thing I can correlate it with, and I'm going to show that I'm a few decades into my career now, back in the olden days of fundraising, before the internet, literally before the internet, and you would send mail solicitations. You still do, but you would send mail solicitations. That was the primary way of soliciting $100 gifts. And commonly, everyone knew that 
a two-page front and back letter, so really a four-page letter, has a better response rate than a one-page letter. And the hypothesis, I don't know the real reason, but the hypothesis was always, well, the trick is once someone opens the letter, the people that read it are the people who are inclined to give. So the people that want more information read the entire thing, and then they're more motivated to give. So it sounds something kind of similar, where the more you do, the more likely you are to give. Yeah, exactly. I think there's one differentiator that I do want to make, or one, excuse me, one important point to make is that the piece of material, the message, the whatever your call to action is, has to connect and resonate with the person. If there's a long form that I don't care about, well then yeah, I'm going to abandon it. If it's a long, if it's a one question thing that I don't care about, I might fill out the one question. But we've noticed that's reverse when it's things that are close to your heart a cause you actually care about, then you're willing to read the material. You're willing to do that pre-commitment. And then you have that feeling of, oh, I just let this drop off. I'm abandoning this cause now if you don't. So if it's something people care about, it's okay to guide them through a little bit longer of a process, as long as it's thoughtful and it makes sense. I'm not saying launch a massive donation form and collect all these data points. That's not what I'm saying. Just be thoughtful in that process, and it's okay to get them to commit before they actually pay. Right, right. Now, what are some other things that organizations can do in their online giving funnel to really increase both their conversion rate and also their average gift? Yeah, so this depends greatly on the actual organization and the sector and the industry we're in. And so the way I like to look at it is really understanding what's happening on your website. So that's the first step. So what I, the things that I really like to implement in a website uh, operating, you know, procedure is essentially understanding all of your data points with visualizations. So really understanding, you know, what's going on on what pages, how many people are coming to these pages, and then that's great on the analytical side, but who's managing these pages? How do we update these pages? So starting to think about accountability, starting to understand who needs to approve these new pages when we go live. And so a lot of things are timely. So let's say if you already have website campaign pages on the back burner saved as drafts for an emergency campaign, and you already got some of the head, some of the copy approved from your board members, and basically you're just filling in the title with a disaster, for example, you can mobilize a lot faster. You can launch that website the day it's relevant. And then now all of a sudden you have a new opportunity to get more donations and more giving with the website you already have. And so that's a great strategy too. In addition to you know improving the average gift size and your current donor base, there's a lot of tools out there that give you insight into what people are doing on your website, A-B testing, heat map tracking. You can actually see where users are hovering on your site. And so if you want them to click button A and they're clicking button B, you can actually look, well, what's wrong with button A? How do we, is the messaging right? And so again, it comes back to the visualizations. Like when your whole team can see the big picture, better decisions are made. And so it starts with that in any in every way, shape, and form. You'd mentioned kind of having an emergency campaign just ready to go because all organizations face emergencies, especially now. I think you've got a client that you did something like that with. Yes. The Los Angeles Regional Food Bank 
was hit pretty hard with the whole COVID situation as many businesses, individuals, organizations worldwide have been. And so one of the benefits with working with them is they have a pretty nimble marketing team and we handle all of their website stuff. And so essentially we started working with them as soon as this became a pandemic with this is gonna affect everybody in LA, everybody nationwide, how can we mobilize right now? And so with the way the website was set up, we already had pre-built templates, we already have uh, systems in place to launch pages fast. So we were able to launch a page fast on a development environment so the link's not you know, viewable by everybody, share it with their team, get sign off, get ready. And we actually launched the page too soon that the Google ads and the Facebook ads, they were still eliminating and shadow banning any ads about COVID in early March. And so we were in the discovery process. Why aren't the ads showing? Why aren't the campaigns running? What's going on? And we had to find out that, oh, they don't want to spread misinformation. It's still so new. So we were actually, we launched the campaign before Google and Facebook were even ready to allow ads about the subject matter to display, even for obviously for good organizations like food banks, which were also considered essential and for good reason. And so by doing that, they were able to uh, mobilized very quickly. They made more donations in March alone than all of December combined. Like the last two weeks of March, they made more than all of December combined. And in the nonprofit world, everybody knows, you know, the end of the year is the holy grail of online giving. And so that was just wild. It was a crazy phenomenon, but it was because we were ready and we mobilized so quickly. And it comes back to just having those pages ready, understanding the exact process to launching a new campaign. There's a lot of confusion. People don't know the actual steps, who's accountable for what, the dependencies. And so just having visualization of how it all comes together, the steps that you have to take really helps make this a, a smashing success. So it was, yeah, it was a great outcome. And the results are still great because unfortunately, the situation is still going on. So I think kind of the takeaways are, first of all, put yourself in your donor's shoes, what's motivating them to click, and then what's motivating them to give, and give them more of what's motivating them to click and to give. And the second takeaway is to really think about how you're structuring your campaigns and be ready for when that opportunity happens. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. And of course, also, A-B testing never hurts. It never hurts to test it and make sure your hypothesis is correct before you actually spend you know, a lot of money and a lot of resources implementing it. That's awesome. Shane, we're just about to wrap up, but I really need to move on to the alpha map question so that our listeners can get to know you just a little bit better. And listeners, let me say that Shane was an American ninja warrior. I was going to ask him about that, but honestly compared to just the incredible expertise that he has being an American Ninja Warrior pales in comparison to someone who can can literally, what would that be, quintuple, I think is five times, can quintuple a campaign in less than one year. So I actually instead want to ask you, Shane, about the name of your company. And I'm going to spell it for listeners. It's Mitten, M-I-T-T-U-N. And I've never, ever heard that before. So... I'm from Michigan, and everybody from Michigan, when asked, where do you live, they pull up their hand because it looks like a mitten, and they point to it. For your listeners, I'm, I'm pointing to my hand right now. And 
myself and our co-founders came up with the brilliant idea when we moved to California over 10 years ago that the mitten is united in California because everybody's from the mitten state. We started the company. We named it Mitten United. Well, about four or five years in, my now wife, she actually started as a marketing consultant of my company. That's a whole nother story. She said, guys, I like the name. It's cute. But Mitten United isn't brandable. We're competing against United Airlines. We're competing against mitten manufacturers, like the actual snow glove mittens. And we can't really brand it. Why don't we do what FedEx did? Federal Express became FedEx. So Mitten United, we dropped the second half of the first word. And we dropped, you know, the second half of the second word. And so Mitten United became Mitton, M-I-T-T-U-N. The most beautiful thing about this, Dolph, is that word means collaborate and to join in in German. That's awesome. That was a complete coincidence. People are like, how is that possible? Well, I just, that's the story. We We have Michigan pride going back to people having pride of their team. And so it became Mitten. And now we have the trademark. Now we can be Mitten websites, Mitten creative, Mitten design. It can be brandable. If you type in that word, Google will say, did you mean something else? Because it's not an English word. Or it'll show all of our content and our websites. So that's the story of Mitten. That is really cool. And first of all, a couple of things. First of all, I'm really impressed given the fact that it's a real world word. You were able to get it as a URL because your URL is Mitten.com. That is really impressive because I think probably every other word, single word in the world is probably taken as a URL already. It was a pricey purchase, but was able to negotiate him down. But yeah, I'm glad that's that's said and done. And now we we own the one word domain. It's interesting you say it was a pricey purchase. Back 15 years ago when I was living in Philly, one of my buddies in the very early days of the web, his favorite color is purple. And he decided to buy purple.com because he wanted to have his email as his name at purple.com. And he was offered just absurd amounts of money. And it's like, I think I'd rather own purple.com than have the money. But there were times that I was like, wow, the opportunity cost. I can't believe, I can't believe that you would rather own purple.com. But he did. Good for you though. I'm so, I'm so glad you're able to get mitten. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Shane, thank you so much for being with us today. And listeners, if Shane has inspired you to update or start a website for your nonprofit, then check out Midden's website, which I already said is at midden.com, M-I-T-T-U-N.com. There you can get more insight and inspiration into the enormous possibilities of a nonprofit website. You will find how-tos, you will find pro tips, project checklists, even an interactive calculator to help you figure out how much your next online project might actually cost you. And be sure to check back regularly for Midden Mondays when you can access short videos that give you weekly do-it-yourself action steps to improve your website and increase your online donations. And let's face it, right now every organization, yours and every other one, needs to increase their online donations. And you can also sign up for a free 20-minute phone consultation if you think you might be interested in Mitten services. You've already heard about some of the incredible work they have done with real clients. Also, check out CauseGive, which is Mitten's free donation platform that can be connected to your current or soon-to-be new website. You can find that at causegive.mitten.com. And if all of those amazing resources are not enough, 
Midden is releasing an exclusive page for our listeners that will be filled with highly curated selections of the industry's best-kept secrets and resources to help you manage your website. You can find those exclusive resources at midden.com forward slash SNP. Hey, Shane, thanks again. I'm so grateful you came on. Thanks, Dolph. It's been a pleasure. If you found yourself YouTubing Mitten.com and then, of course, American Ninja Warrior to see why I would choose to talk about the name of the company instead of him being on American Ninja Warrior, then don't worry about it. Keep on YouTubing what you're YouTubing and pop over to our website at SuccessfulNonprofits.com. We'll have links to all those URLs and they'll be posted there for you. And dear listeners, if you found today's episode useful, please take a moment to share it with a friend or rate and review it on your streaming app of choice. And if you didn't find today's show useful, reach out and tell me why. And I'm serious when I say that. Reach out and tell me why. It's important to me that we provide actionable information in every episode, and I want you to get value for the time that you spend listening. That, listeners, is our show for the week. I hope you have gained some insight to help your nonprofit thrive in a competitive environment. I am not an accountant or attorney, and neither I nor the Goldberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been provided for informational purposes only, is not intended to provide, and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Always consult a qualified, licensed professional about such matters.